Hello, my name is Ian Forth and welcome to Sombrero Fallout, where we listen to alternative music through the lens of intriguing themes. You can listen to any of the previous podcasts by going to the sombrerofallout.com website, where you'll also find an episodes list, blogs and track listings, plus artist and song indices. The podcasts are also available on Apple and on SoundCloud. And you can become a friend of Sombrero Fallout on Facebook. If you've got positive feedback or commentary, my email address, iandeekerforth at gmail.com, is listed on the front page of the website. Why not tell your friends, colleagues and like-minded neighbours to get on board as well? If you've got any other feedback, keep it to yourself. I hope you enjoy the episode. Seasons of mist and mellow fruitfulness thus did Keats describe autumn. And as the leaves are falling from the trees in Melbourne, I've observed that this episode, number 48, means that there's 49 and 50 to follow. So what I thought we'd do is breaking it up into three sections, have a look at uh, one track a year from 1970 to the current day. I won't uh, go through a list of what we'll be listening to uh, tonight. I'll keep it as an exciting surprise. But we'll play the songs in chronological order, and I'll attempt, wherever possible, to reflect a diversity of musical genres, not to the detriment of the quality of the music. Let's start straight away in 1970. Who loves the sun? cares that it makes plants grow? Who cares what it does since you broke my heart? Who loves the wind? Who cares that it makes breezes? Who cares what it does since you broke my heart? Bye. 
Who Loves the Sun by the Velvet Underground from their fourth album Loaded. And just as the last vestiges of the original members of the group were beginning to uh, break up, and Lou, I think Lou Reed left just as the album was being recorded. Uh, that's that's a, a good song nonetheless. So that was 1970. And as we go forward into 1971, picture if you will, young, enthusiastic, child, boyish charm obviously, <clears throat> in his semi-detached house in Coventry in England, listening to the radio, listening to Radio 1 during the day. And in some ways, I was probably more open-minded then than at any other time. I didn't know what genres were. I just listened to the radio and thought, I like that. And here's a, a funk song, and I don't really listen to a great deal of funk these days. I've got absolutely nothing against it. In fact, I was talking to a chap I buy my coffee from in the cafe this morning, who's a big funk fan. Big funk fan. Um, talking about Parliament and Funkadelic. Great bands. I just don't happen to listen to them nearly as often as I should. This is the 1971 entrant on the Fallout 50. They just love to learn and another child grows up to be somebody you just love to burn. Mom loves the both of them. You see it's in the blood. Both kids are good and mom. Blood's thicker than the mud. It's a family affair.
Family Affair by Sly and the Family Stone from 1971. 1972. What do we find? The final album recorded during the lifetime of Nick Drake, Pink Moon, and since 1972, his reputation has become greater and become burnished as he's discovered by future generations. But it didn't feel like that at the time. The Pink Moon album is very short, only about half an hour long. It seems quite temporal, if I can put it that way. Uh, describing the course of a night, if you like, during which the Pink Moon shines down. And I've gone for the final track because there's a sense of dawn arriving, perhaps a dawn that never ultimately arrived for Nick Drake in his own life. He left us in uh, 1975, a few years later, unfulfilled at the time, angry and somewhat depressed. But there's a sense of optimism in the final track on Pink Moon, and it's From the Morning. Day one storm And it was beautiful A day one storm from the ground Then the night she fell was beautiful night she fell all around so look see the days the endless colored ways go play the game that you like From the Morning by Nick Drake from his album Pink Moon and Now We Rise and We Are Everywhere. That's actually the words chosen by his parents, Rodney and Molly, to place on his gravestone. And I believe also some people like to play that uh, music at funerals. I think it's a good choice. 
And if you're ever in the Tamworth in Arden area, you might want to play, pay homage to the great man in the cemetery there. There are other ways of doing it, like playing his music and what great music it is. Forward to 1973, and I was quite torn. I was thinking of playing a Bowie track. But Bowie, in a sense, even then, is not really an alternative as such to anything. And we are trying to play something that uh, is at least a couple of inches away from the mainstream, wherever we can. So I've gone instead for a track that has a Bowie connection, uh, but which hardly anyone was really listening to at the time. To destroy 
when you record these things, you get the kind of graphic equalizer levels. And usually you can see the fluctuations when there's slightly louder and slightly quieter elements in the song. With that one, everything is turned up into the red throughout every second of every minute of the song. <laughs> there is literally no uh, blank space, as it were. And the, the reason for that is, for many years, there'd been a lot of criticism of the original mix, uh, uh, produced rather by David Bowie at the time, that it uh, was an insipid or diluted version of the song. So many years later, Iggy Pop himself, um, and that was, if I haven't said so already, Search and Destroy by Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Iggy himself uh, got hold of the master tapes and re-recorded them. Basically, as far as I can see, he just jammed everything up into the red and... Uh, that was the result. It's, uh, it's certainly bracing. 1974. You know that situation uh, where you are in a uh, murder-suicide pact with your partner? You go through with it. You find yourself up in heaven. It's a little bit boring. And turns out your partner, at the last minute, after murdering you, pushing you off the cliff, said, mm, Nah.
1974 and Here in Heaven by Sparks from their album Kimono My House. Regular listeners to the program will know I am quite the fan. Elements of glam rock and arts rock there. And before that with Iggy uh, Pop and the Stooges, you heard proto-punk, I guess. And then as we go into 1975, we're coming through the golden period of... Uh, Jamaican reggae. Marcus can the words come to pass. Marcus can the words come to pass. You can't get no food to eat. Money to spend. Whoa. Can't get no food to eat. Can't get no money to spend. Whoa. Come, little one, or let me do what I can for you and you and you. Nineteen seventy-five and Marcus Garvey by Burning Spear 
just wrestling with my pop filter, which has just fallen off there. And uh, halfway through that, when I was playing it back, uh, my friend rang. I got to the phone and the song was still playing and he said, that's Burning Spear. Are you culturally appropriating again? Yes, I am. That was 1975, 1976, the arrival of punk, and this is the first UK punk single. Is she really going out with him? was 1976's entry to the Fallout 50, New Rose by The Damned, Punk, and before that you heard Marcus Garvey by Burning Spear, undoubtedly reggae. By 1977, we're getting the best of both worlds. I'm 
1977 Police and Thieves by The Clash from their eponymous debut album. And by 1978, punk was transforming into post-punk. So the Sex Pistols and Johnny Rotten had turned into Public Image Limited and John Lydon. Post-punk titans John Lydon, Jar Wobble and Keith Levine, who also played in an early version of The Clash, performing Public Image by Public Image Limited. That's 1978's contribution. Thank you, 1978. By 1979, women were allowed to join in.
1979, Typical Girls by The Slits. Couple of connections there. One, a connection between the last two songs. So John Lydon ended up marrying the mother of The Slits lead singer, Ari Up Nora. And personal connection. The bass player, uh, Tess, Tessa, Tess, Pollitt, of The Slits, uh, her father was Stanley Pollitt, who founded the agency for which I worked for 18 years, Bose Massimi Pollitt, uh, generally regarded perhaps as the one of the two or three most significant advertising agencies at the end of the 20th century. So there you have it. Connections abound. Into the, into the 1980s, we, f- we bid a, a fond and sad farewell to the 1970s. Thank you. A great mixed, interesting bag of music there. We thank you for your service, and we say hello to the 1980s, which bands really associated with the end of the 70s themselves, from which we had a special only two weeks ago. Hunt 
him by the rivers through the streets every corner abandoned too soon set down with you Atmosphere by Joy Division, representing 1980. And I hope you understand that there are bands without number that I would like to include on this roundup. And they're just not going to be able to nose their way in sometimes because uh, two wonderful, unique, brilliant albums come out in the same year. I've got that coming up. I've got three amazing albums uh, coming up in, say, 1992 when I was going through the list in the next podcast not going to be able to get you all in guys strict one year one track policy 1981 and a band that was showcased in episode 3 of Sombrero Fallout I would encourage you to go and dig it out if you've not already done so produced some great music during the 1970s and some classic albums some would say as influential a band as has ever been alongside the Beatles and you could almost say they're the godfather of much of the electronic music that came subsequently, including things perhaps unexpectedly, such as techno. 1981.
The Model by Craftwork, a single from 1981, although I believe it was originally recorded back in 1978. And uh, you may not be entirely surprised to discover that the following band are being represented. This is probably from the final overtures of their classical period, which span from 1978 to 82-83, stroke 83, uh, and regarded by some, perhaps, as their signature tune.
classical from The Fall, representing 1982. And the first time I saw The Fall was indeed 1982 at Scamps in Oxford, where they were supported by Polka Pilnik, an Icelandic band who went on to uh, transmutate, not a real word, into the Sugar Cubes later. Uh, I did. I said that was their signature tune. Goodness knows they have no signature tune. I mean, other people might call out Totally Wired or How I Wrote Elastic Man or uh, even Blindness from later years. And <laughs> there are there are 500 others to choose from. But that was The Mighty Fall. And talking of connections, my friend Barry Peden uh, from many years ago writes to tell me that his son's best friend is... Adam Hanley, who is the son, in turn, of Paul Hanley, the drummer in The Fall during that track, who has written the book entirely devoted to the recording of the album from which it heralds, Hex Induction Hour, called Have a Bleeding Guess, which is uh, one of the inscriptions on the cover of the album. There haven't been enough women on this uh, particular episode. That will be rectified in future episodes. But uh, here's superb female performance representing 1983. Rid 
A Song to the Siren, interpreted there by Liz Fraser of the Cocteau Twins in the guise of This Mortal Coil from 1983. And uh, so far we've had uh, quite a spread of uh, geography. That was Scotland. We've had the opening theme tunes, Canadian. We've had tracks from America, from Jamaica, from Germany. Uh, from England, from Scotland, there, where else? Probably other places as well. And we're going over to Manchester now to hear from 1984. Good times for a change See the luck I've had can make a good man turn back so please, please, please Let me, let me, let me Let me get what I want this time Haven't had a dream in a long time See the life I've had can make a good man bad So for once in my life let me get what I want Lord knows it would be the first time Lord knows it would be the first time Perfectly formed. That was the Smiths from 1984. And please, 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 let me get what I want. All sorts of things come to mind. Uh, a B-side, I believe, of William, it was really nothing. An equal contender could have slotted in there as a track. Uh, and to be found on the album Hatful of Hollow. And uh, there are numerous, shall I say, caching compilation albums of the Smiths. You can find it more or less anywhere you want now. And of course, you don't really need an album these days, do you? 
remember seeing the next band uh, just in the random early evening TV program performing this song. And it's one of those occasions like when I saw Sparks doing uh, this towning big enough for both of us on top of the pops. And uh, just thinking, what the hell? Uh, not surprisingly, it uh, swept all the alternative gongs, as it were, that year. I think it was number one in John Peel's Festive 50. And we're back up to Scotland again. Bride's Finest, that's the Jesus and Mary Chain from 1985 and Never Understand from their album Psycho Candy. And finally we're back down all the way to the Southern Hemisphere and 1986 in Australia, Brisbane to be precise.
That was Spring Rain by the Go-Betweens, lead singer Robert Forster. And I remember him doing that in concert uh, in the middle of a, a, a solo set, which was great in its own right, but suddenly burst into Spring Rain and you thought, oh my goodness, what a great band the Go-Betweens were. Redolent as so many of his and Grant uh, McLennan's tracks were of growing up in Queensland at that time. Well, that's been fun. We're going to be doing 1987 to 2004 in part two of the Fallout 50 next time round. No sense of um, counting down from the outer limits down to the very best track here. It's just a, a track a year. Hope you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it enormously. Just a, a quick thank you for everyone around the world who listened to the last podcast, which was the Joy Division tribute. Um, I'm not one for numbers, and anyone who runs a podcast and tells you that is lying through their teeth. But uh, I will say that the last podcast did attract three times as many as any other podcast, and it actually attracted over 5,000 plays for the last podcast, which is some sort of a breakthrough, I think. doesn't really matter too much, only it does. It just means that more and more people are getting the Sombrero Fallout thing, and I thank you for listening, thank you for sharing it, and thank you for uh, loving this great music above all and everything else. So for everybody in, from Kazakhstan to Iran from Turkey to the Maldives, from Argentina to Belarus. I'll say farewell for now and look forward to the Fallout 50 Part 2, tracks 1987 uh, through to 2004 next time round. Bye for now.